and welcome to Downton Gabby. We're here to discuss a really fun, really sexy episode that aired after the Golden Globes. I'm Shannon in Oakland. I'm Brandy in Los Angeles. And I'm Teresa in Brooklyn, where Downton Abbey aired during the Golden Globes. No! Yeah. We definitely need to congratulate Joanne Froggett for her amazing Golden Globe win. Amazing. And her amazing acceptance speech where she acknowledged women who had been sexually assaulted and the importance of telling their stories. And I can almost forgive Julian Fellow's horrible writing of that whole storyline because it apparently helped women to share their own stories about sexual assault. And really, it was her acting that kept the storyline from being just totally unwatchable. So I'm okay with her winning. And obviously she's, you know, we make fun of the character sometimes, but the actress I'm definitely a fan of. Her speech was great. And her performances in the first two episodes this season, which were comedic, her exchanges with Mary, um, were, were are great. They're just so funny and her expressions and her reactions, her little shocked reactions to everything that comes out of Mary's mouth. Mary is turning into a girl I'd actually like to hang out with. I think past seasons she's just been too uptight, but now it's like she's done her research. Like she's really thought this through and wants to have sex and wants to have a good time. And I'm totally on board. And I'm like, hey, girl, let's go get a drink and talk about that weekend. I hope that Tony is good at it. <laughs> oh, he's good at it. I don't know if he's going to be good for her in the end, but he's... She's going to have a good time. Don't you, you think worry. he's had practice? Oh, I, I think so. That The whole thing with him in the hotel and it's so smooth and I bribed the manager to get us adjoining rooms. Like, do you think this is his first time at the rodeo? Because I think not. But he puts on that sensitive guy move thing. So has he used the puppy dog eyes on someone else in the past? <laughs> I'm starting. I've, I've been a fan of his and I'm starting to get suspicious. I think he's a player, but I think he genuinely likes Mary, and I, I don't think he's trying to, like, you know, love him and leave him or anything. I, no. I, I think he's sincere. He just seems, like, a little too smooth in arranging all of it. That's all. I mean, could you see Matthew arranging something like this? No. 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 So, but I have to say, speaking of Matthew, the chemistry between Mary and Tony, I'm not really feeling it. Brandy, you said that the word scrumptious in him describing dinner was a boner killer. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I'd had a boner in the first place, it might <laughs> have killed it. And then Mary saying make love would have yeah. prevented me from ever getting another boner again. But I'm not feeling it. We need some term. I mean, I guess I guess there's no term they can really use for the TV rating that Down Abbey has besides make love or have sex. Like they can't really say screw or fuck, right? But like the it's not a good term. It's it's not sexy. It's very old. It it just makes me think of grandparents. My my lady boner was fine, guys. I I think there's chemistry. I'm super excited for their weekend away. I mean, when he's like, we're going to, like, have sex all night until our stamina gives out. Fuck yeah. I'm, sounds great. It's a good line. Yeah. Who cares about the scrumptious? He said he was going to bang her all night. Sounds great. Boner <laughs> intact. A scrumptious dinner. I just, I hate that word. I hate the word scrumptious. Was that, is that your out. version of moist? How, like, <laughs> yes. every woman hates the word moist. 
I don't mind moist. I hate scrumptious. Only when referring to cake. <laughs> yeah. But we have to talk a little bit more in depth about the birth control because that really was like, I mean, I, there's no end to what Mary will ask Anna to do, first of all. <laughs> and her scene, like, Teresa, you wrote in our notes that it was like a teenage boy buying condoms in a movie. <laughs> the great diaphragm caper of 1924. <laughs> yep. Yeah, poor Anna. <laughs> Really, I, I kept thinking that she was going to say, oh, and I'll take uh, some gloves and uh, a packet of chewing gum and uh, oh, that magazine over there and uh, yes. a diaphragm. It's and... just like the scene in American Graffiti when he's trying to buy booze. <laughs> and he keeps right. asking for like a comb and everything else behind the counter. Exactly. Um, it was just it was just great but but I also I love that afterwards you know Anna was like you know they gave me a really hard time and what if I had eight kids and I really wanted to not have any more kids and she I, I love that she's gonna buy a baker's dozen just to show that lady oh it was great. a great moment yeah it was great and I I wrote in the notes that you know unfortunately it hasn't changed very much where most states you still can't get an abortion unless your life is in danger there's still this you know, penalizing women for wanting to have sex and not have a baby pop out at the end. Yeah, she could have been, she could have been shooting this in Texas today, right. basically, getting, having a pharmacist give her a hard time, trying to get right. the morning after pill or something. Totally. Exactly. But I'm really concerned she didn't take the directions, okay? I'm just, <laughs> I'm really concerned. I mean, diaphragms are really difficult to use. Yes. And, I mean, Mary's never even put on a bracelet on her own, so, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Is she expecting that Tony's going to put it up in her? Like, what we, is she thinking? We did get the same concern on Twitter. Shout out to our fan, Jen Kugler, who tweeted that at me while I was live tweeting. Like, I hope that this romantic weekend isn't complicated by lack of instructions. So yeah. that, that's definitely a broad concern. It, it, it's a big concern. But maybe, oh no, she didn't take the book with her either. Well, we don't know. Okay, we don't know. Um, Maybe she practiced. <laughs> you know what? Maybe she did practice. She's been so very um, uh, conscientious about this whole issue. So maybe she practiced a little at home. So um, a couple of people tweeted at me or tweeted generally about the book, like what the book was. So I thought I'd give you gals a little historical background on, on what the book was that she gave Anna, it's by Marie Stopes, who is a scientist in the UK, and she was, um, like Margaret Sanger was in the US, um, she believed that women should enjoy sex and they should have access to family planning, and her most famous book is called Married Love, um, and then she wrote a second book called Wise Parenthood, and Wise Parenthood made, got into a lot more detail about contraception, so I'm not sure which book she had. They don't specify, but Marie Stopes is an awesome woman of history, and um, I'm kind of glad that Downton is celebrating her. I think yeah. that's super cool, and I I don't know. I just love seeing this foray into birth control during this time. It's it's so interesting to me, and I just I'm really excited for Mary that I think she's compared to like season one when she was such a daddy's girl, she was so conservative. I mean, she's becoming quite progressive and maybe that is Matthew's influence, you know, over time that he really opened her mind. But I love 
how open she is to a different type of relationship. I just hope that stupid sketching trip cover story doesn't blow up in her face because it is so bad. It's actually worse than the Marigold cover story, and that's saying a lot. <laughs> I was like, why don't you pretend you're going to, like, look at some pigs or some fields or something? Like, this has been your main interest for the last two seasons is various agricultural issues related to the estate. And now all of a sudden you're going sketching with Annabelle Portsmouth or whatever her name is. Is this a person we've met before? No. Like It was like talking about your Canadian boyfriend you were going to visit. Exactly. It's just, it was not a good cover story at all. All right. Well, speaking of girls who have Canadian boyfriends, let's talk about Edith. <laughs> okay. So we have, we have to clarify something that we talked about <laughs> last week, which is, okay. So the, the photograph that she finds we were under the impression that it was some sort of sexy photograph. Apparently, it's actually a picture of the baby. I'm really embarrassed, and I apologize to everyone. <laughs> you um, basically tried to make a baby photo into a pervy naked photo. I'm really sorry. <laughs> yeah, so I kind of knew it was the baby photo, but you guys were so sure about the naked selfie that I was like, well, maybe I just saw it wrong. No, so I, I said... I said I'd never even seen it, that I missed this whole scene somehow. So this is like, this is not my fault either. All right. Well, Therese, I have a lot it's, of faith in it's you. It's totally my fault. And I followed you blindly into this pervy corner of the world. <laughs> Sorry. I, let's just never speak of this again. All right. But Edith, this is not going to end well, guys. This is not good. No, she's acting like a crazy lady on a Lifetime movie, like this baby is going to show up on the side of a milk carton at some point, and I just, I'm with Mrs. Drew, like, I would be like, why the fuck are you in my house as well? I agree, and it, and I feel bad for these other kids, oh, she only wants to pay for this wonderful education for this one kid, it's just kind of shitty and weird. It's weird. Yeah, this, the cover story should have been more like, let me sponsor all your kids because you have done such a wonderful job helping us keep our estate afloat with pigs and whatnot, and this is, you know, me giving back to you. And instead, like, the two of them, Mr. Drew and Edith, were both being so weird and creepy while they were having their fake conversation. I was just like, you need to tell your wife the truth. You're totally gaslighting her right now, and I do not approve. And it's like... Lord Grantham and Cora are idiots. Why would she take an interest in this one baby? I just like, it's like, I feel like Lord Grantham and Cora are acting like those women that are like, oh, I didn't know I was pregnant. And then they give birth at the prom. It's like, can't everybody see that she was pregnant and had a kid and she was gone for a weird amount of time. And now there's this baby she has a strange interest in. Come <laughs> on, everyone. The baby is at the prom. We see it. <laughs> I mean, they just, they've never taken her seriously. Again, like, their main concern is that the Drews are going to get annoyed with her, which, like, that's sad that your parents think that about you, and also that ship has sailed. They already don't want her around, so. Yeah. They, they don't pay any attention to, I mean, they actually don't pay attention to their kids, and that's the way they were raised kids. Like, they're just not paying attention. How many times has Cora actually talked to Edith? Like, Edith asks for her quote-unquote advice, Cora says she's flattered and then she you know and then Lord Grantham says something stupid and the conversation's done I mean I'm really missing Aunt Rosamond right now Uh you mean Edith's real mom yeah Edith's real mom according to this podcast (laughs) yeah 
I, yeah, I'm really missing her because I feel really bad for Edith. And she needs a friend. She needs a friend. And the friend should not be the surrogate dad of her kid and them having these strange conversations. What if she told Rose about it? Do we trust Rose? I don't think she would be judgmental. I just worry she would give something away. But I feel like she could be almost a good confidant. I think that's a great point. I would I would talk to Rose. Yeah, maybe. Or but Mrs. They, Hughes. Mrs. Hughes is great in these situations. Mrs. Hughes, Mrs. Hughes is better. She, she saw the baby picture. She's probably already put it all together. I mean, honestly, she's been a step ahead on every storyline people think is a secret since day one. So That's true. I think that um, I wouldn't tell Rose because Rose is always conspiring and contriving to fix things. And right. I think she would have, like, behind Edith's back, done something like that she thought was a really good thing, but then it wouldn't be a good thing. I think Mrs. Hughes would be really good in this situation. I mean, she just knows how to handle this shit. She's a fixer. She is the Olivia <gasps> Pope of Downton Abbey. Uh-huh. Holy shit. She is. That's she amazing. Is. She just needs a few more white pieces of clothing. <laughs> Mrs. Hughes showed up in, like, a white pantsuit one day. <laughs> yeah. That would be great. Okay, well, speaking of Rose, the storyline with the wireless was, like, the funniest thing to me, because she was basically the equivalent of a Christmas story Ralphie trying to get his Red Rider action carbine BB gun by leaving magazines around. It was, like, not subtle at all. The the whole, yeah, the wireless thing was, was really, really great, and, like, this whole idea that it was a what thief of life is that what lord grantham called it yes 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 um the idea that it was going to lead to immorality and young people unable to make conversation around well because people would be listening to the radio instead of him while they were sitting around in the library at night having drinks which is a tragedy right it's true um it's a it's like a straight shot you know between the wireless and then like sexting i think yeah, yeah. yes he had but, the whole vision I did love that they wrote in the king's speech, so to speak. I love that 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 was the reason to get the wireless. I thought that was like a perfect reason, like Carson and Lord Grantham could have these weird conversations about the king. And then when Violet stands up, when she at hears the sound him, of the king's voice, yes, it was really it was, the whole thing was just lovely. It was really well done. Those are the kind of moments where, uh, you know, sometimes we tease the whole, like, times they are a change in and all of these. But it's, it is always fun to see all the different characters' reactions to the next thing that comes along. It reminds me of the season one or two storyline when they got a phone, which was one of my favorites. And I really, I actually like this kind of stuff, even though we sort of uh, make fun of it a little bit. It's very uh, amusing to watch everyone's reactions. But yeah, I love all the introduction of technology because I love when he says, oh, it's going to be a passing fad. It's like, okay, here I am looking at my iPhone. It was not passing. It's still going. Speaking of passing fads, Jimmy is finally out of our lives. We've been wanting this for like a season and a half and it's finally happened. And it was actually a little sad because Thomas was so sad. I thought it was a great conversation. And I just, I really was touched when Jimmy says, I really want you to be happy. Because you know what he was saying was, I hope you can find a man to be happy with. And I don't know, the whole conversation was really enlightening to me because it made me realize that 
Jimmy is the only one that really knows Thomas. I mean, he really knows Thomas because A, they were friends before and after, but Jimmy really knows what he is like because he made this pass at him. And I, I don't know. I felt really sad for Thomas that his friend left and, but then he was being a little dick again. So it's right. like, can't be sad for that long. But I do hope he does change his ways and stop being so lonely. Well, also, Jimmy genuinely likes Thomas. I mean, Baxter knows about Thomas, too, presumably. But um, Jimmy still likes him and he's nice to him. And, you know, Thomas isn't conspiring against Jimmy at every turn. And it's like an actual normal friendship. Like, who else does he have a friendship with there? No, no one. one. Yeah. And, well, do you guys suspect that Anna suspects? Because she's always sort of going out of her way to be nice to Thomas. And I thought the scene between the two of them was also a highlight of this episode for me when Thomas sort of feels a moment of vulnerability to confess that sometimes he does wish he conducted himself different and fit in. Of course, it's too late for that. I think he knows very much it's too late for that. And that's why he ends up lashing out. But I, I think she could suspect what the issue is as well. I think she's more perceptive sometimes than others give her credit for. I think a lot of them know is my, my feeling. Because it's been talked about to a certain extent, hasn't it? Right. But I mean, as far as someone who's going to actually maybe reach out to him at some point, I wouldn't mind. And I think it could actually be really interesting considering how much he and Bates hate each other. If she did sort of throw him a bone now that he's friendless, I would be really interested to see how that would mix up dynamics. Oh, please, let's just get him a boyfriend. Hashtag get Thomas a boyfriend. Oh, yeah. My my hashtag was, uh, which I think we should try to get started during the live tweet, was a boyfriend for Barrow. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I'll tell I you. donate to that campaign. I yeah. was. How much do I got to give? You know, we could talk about the tan man later, but um, when Simon Brooker first showed up, I kind of thought maybe he was going to be a potential um, Thomas kind of little amour, but he quickly started flirting with Cora, and that, that went out the window for me. But I had a small glimmer of hope that there was something right. there. I mean, I, I always think fondly of the first season storyline of the nobleman who was who had a thing for Thomas. And I feel like that sort of thing must have gone on a lot behind closed doors. Totally. There had to have been a significant number of noblemen who were gay or bisexual or whatever. And they're constantly surrounded by people who have to sort of do their bidding. I mean, there, there's a lot of dynamics at play there. And I know that they've already had one storyline that dealt with that, but now it's been what, 10 years in showtime and Thomas has never met another dude he could hit on. Who is it actually is gay? That's weird, right? Well, maybe he has. We just weren't there. On the ship to America that we didn't get to see, which I'm still bitter about. Oh, I just mm -hmm. reread your fan fiction on that. It's so good. <laughs> I think we should repost it. Yeah. Do it. For sure. Repost it. It's excellent. The little fan fiction of uh, Thomas's uh, uh, trip to America and what happened mm -hmm. on the ship. Yes. I, I prefer to think of it as canon at this point because we're not getting <laughs> anything else to work with. Totally. True. True. But I do have to say, you know, I'm not a huge Cora fan. I'm usually really hard on her, but Cora was awesome this episode. She's flirting with the tan man. We also got to see her be smart on several occasions, which we haven't gotten to see very often. 
And it did remind me that, yes, she was this wealthy American that took a chance on love and like moved to England. I mean, she's seen more of the world than Lord Grantham, who doesn't do well abroad. (laughs) One of my favorite quotes. Um, And it's just like, why does she want to sit around with this old man who doesn't like change and just walks around complaining when there's this hot tan man that wants to talk art in the world and there's just a heat between them. It's like, go for it, Cora. Get out of there. Has Richard E. Grant, um, has he got a portrait in the attic that's aging instead of him? He looks good, right? Yeah. Like... He looks really good. I, I love that actor, and I was I didn't know he was supposed to show up, and I was like so excited when he showed up. But and I love that they have him cast as sort of a frisky character because he's always great in those kinds of roles. I I I mean, not that I'm not rooting for Lord Grantham and Cora's marriage in the long run, and the tryst with Jane is still probably one of my least favorite storylines they've ever done in this show. But I kind of want Cora to bone the Tan Man. Me too. He, you know what? He needs to wake up. He's taking everyone for granted, especially her, because you know what, Teresa, you were saying last episode, you're like, he was being so mean to her. And I think it's all deliberate to set up for, you know, Simon Bick- Bricker showing up to really mm-hmm. shake up the waters because she is a catch. She looks great. She's still smart. I mean, still smart. She was smart this episode. So it's like, <laughs> I believe she's, she's smart. smart. <laughs> But she is, I'm sure she's very well educated, um, just dying for a good conversation with someone. He's so rude. Every time she has an opinion, he's just like, that's because you're American. Yeah. Yeah. That's so rude. And then to think that he's just flirting with his dog, which, okay, I'm a dog owner. (laughs) That was the funniest thing they might have ever done on this show. Like, Well, I'm a dog owner, and I know what they're talking about. Don't make my dog love you more than they love me. So I get it. I've been there, but it was still amazing. <laughs> it was like the best line ever on this show. We have a question from our fan, Rebecca Brinson, uh, when we asked for questions to address on this podcast, which is, how is Isis still alive? And I think we've all wondered that. And I'm starting to wonder if this is like a like a goldfish situation where like the dog gets sick. And they just get a new dog and never tell Lord Grantham mm. that, like, the dog has been replaced. I don't know. The dog has been in this season a lot so far. So I'm thinking the days are numbered. Yeah. Well, the dog is at least 13 years old at this point. That's really old for a dog. Like, it should be a lot more sickly and slow walking than it is at least and not that I want to see like a dog dying storyline I certainly don't but I mean it's a weird thing god Brandy stop trying to make the dog I'm sorry I'm just wondering it's weird it's definitely one of these things of they keep jumping time but people aren't aging including the dog Mm -hmm. yeah like how old is Mary now how old was she in the first season I thought she was supposed to be maybe like 21 in the first season. So now she's 33 and Edith is, what, pushing 30? This is what I was saying last week about Daisy. Like, none of this makes sense anymore because they've just pushed too far. Yeah, it's a little weird. Okay, speaking of Lord Grantham, can we talk about his, like, his flirtation with Carson in this? Because they're like spatting lovers over the (laughs) monument. Uh, I'm so with Lord Grantham on this. 
That entire committee is just a whole bunch of Miss Bunting. <laughs> well, but his his real reasoning for not wanting the memorial out on the cricket pitch is just because he doesn't want the cricket pitch messed up. Fair not enough. Because he's really concerned about people's mourning styles. <laughs> Fair, I'm sorry, I'm enough. still laughing about that. I just feel like Teresa's probably walking around going, you're just being such a Miss Bunting right now. <laughs> just set the table already, Ed. God. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is your new insult. Miss, you're just being such a Miss Bunting right now. <laughs> yeah, I did like that that lady called out Lord Grantham, though. Uh, it's about mourning the dead or cricket. <laughs> well, it all worked out. Because a random side character we've never seen before told a story that was very convenient, and they all ended up on the same page. Classic Julian. Classic <laughs> Julian fellows here. Classic. But we got some interesting conversations with Carson and Mrs. Hughes. Oh, yeah. And this is the, since the hand holding on the beach... This is the biggest stuff we've seen, and, and I think Carson's hot for it. I don't know if Mrs. Hughes is. He's hot for it, though. I don't think Mrs. Hughes is into it. She wanted to check her hair in the mirror. Yeah, that was very flirty. Come on. But before that, she was like, everything he said about not wanting to agree with her, or what I, not wanting to disagree with her, she was like, anyway, it's fine. If we disagree, bye. I have stuff to do. When she said relationships all have their ups and downs. And I was like, relationship? Are they in a relationship? Like, I really need to have a DTR with them of like, where <laughs> are you at? I think, I, no, they're just friends. I don't know. When he said, when Carson said, get away with you, that was so flirty. Yeah, it was. But I mean, it just... It also felt awkward, like it was the first time he'd ever tried to flirt with her or something. And people keep coming back to this holding hands in the water thing. And to me, that was just kind of like, let's balance because the waves are coming. (laughs) I don't know if I just have like a stone heart, but I didn't. This is the first moment where I was like, oh, my God, they're trying to make them more than friends. And I don't know if I like it. Well, I don't know if Mrs. Hughes is on board. I mean, he's definitely wants it, but. this is where I was like oh this episode was so good because there was like things working against each other which is you know pretty advanced for Julian Fellows because we've got all this flirting and then we also have this episode is highlighting their differences constantly even during the King's speech you know he says one thing she says the opposite and she's much more progressive than him and does love conquer all I don't know I, mean, I leave you with that. I leave you with that as a question. I don't know. It has me flashing back to the Mrs. Hughes storyline when her former boyfriend came along and she made the decision to stay at Downton instead of marry him. And wondering if we're supposed to think that part of that was because of Carson, which I don't mm-hmm. no. I don't think that, that I don't think Julian has that kind of long term planning going on, but I don't know. Carson would just be so polite in bed, just overly polite. It's just, it's just going to be terrible. 
I, I didn't need that image in my brain. Thank you. Right. Well, <laughs> if you guys are the ones shipping them, how are you not picking them fucking? This is why I'm saying that it okay, won't work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We all have to make a commitment. If are you're we going say, to imagine them fucking or not, and that's the decision we all have to make. If you're going to be together, then you need to commit to the image of fucking. Okay. Yeah, Therese. Okay. <laughs> so what are you going to do? Okay. You know what? In for a penny. <laughs> I've got, I've got Isabel and Lord Merton. I've got Carson and Mrs. Hughes. I can picture Isabel and Merton way more than I can oh, yeah. picture Hughes and Carson. Wait, guys, this is my favorite. This is what's just, I'm so in love with this show because of this Isabel and Lord Merton and the Dowager storyline. It is like so good when he was like, oh, I read this book on quarantine and I've been dying to talk to you about it. It was like, Hashtag dork love. I love it. It's so great. It's so great. And the Dowager, you were totally nailed it last week, Therese, where you're like, she is the mean girl that doesn't want, you know, the queen bee that doesn't want them together. And it's so spot on. I know. You know how we wanted to do a, a spinoff show with uh, Mrs. Hughes and Mrs. Patmore solving crimes together? Yes. So we need to do a sitcom spinoff with Violet, Isabel, and Lord Merton. Living together like near the beach, yeah, style. yeah, something like that. And then the doctor could be the nosy neighbor that drops in at the most inopportune <laughs> the poor moments. Doctor, he does nothing but have tea with the dowager and listen to stories about Isabel's new love. But we learned about insulin. I mean, there were we so did. many historical references in this episode. It was crazy. We did historical background here. Canadian scientists Frederick Banting and Charles Best discovered insulin in 1923 and they got the Nobel Prize for it. And being a Canadian, I learned this in school maybe 20 or 30 times. And I'm sharing it with you now. <laughs> See, it came in handy. It came in very handy. Yeah, oh. there you go. Banting in the US, Best. we just learn about people inventing peanut butter and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's important. It's true. <laughs> it's true. But, like, so when they are walking up to Lord Merton's house, I can't remember the line that the dowager says, but then Isabel goes, I knew that. And she just throws her this side eye and I died laughing. Like I laughed so hard. And I was like, I need that. I need that as a gift. It was something about the gardens, like wanting to see the gardens and it being the wrong time of year. And I was just like, you were being the worst third wheel right now. But Lord Merton is oblivious. Like he likes Isabel and he doesn't notice any of these like, lower level girl interactions going on around him he doesn't know it's and true. the whole thing is just hilarious and poor isabel because honestly the dowager is just insufferable isabel and her guiding hand <laughs> see let's talk about the wedding night mm. mm-hmm. she would guide his hand she would yeah <laughs> But she doesn't need a diaphragm, so that's awesome. That's true. 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 Um, I mean, that's why there's, like, now there's, like, crazy STD epidemics in older people at these, like, retirement homes because they're like, I don't have to worry about pregnancy, and they all just fuck each other. So that's right. It wasn't different in 1924. It's like, come on. And, and oh, my God, the preview for the next episode Dowager's ex love coming in. <gasps> oh my oh, god! Wait, it's gonna be so good. Wait, when did they invent the vibrator? Oh, long time before that. 
Oh, so they've already invented the vibrator. So oh, do you yeah. think the Dowager has a vibrator? <laughs> no. No, that's what Sprat is for. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that's why she keeps Sprat around even when he's rude to the guests. <laughs> that's right. It's pretty big. Show him move the dough. To... Because he's polishing the candlestick after hours. <laughs> that's right. Oh, I cannot wait to, to, to meet this. Um, uh, Prince, yes. Prince Karagan. Granny has a pass. Oh my god, he's going to be like the mysterious exchange student that comes to the high school in the middle of the year. Yeah. <laughs> and they went to summer camp together, or their like parents vacation together, so they had that like awkward fingering by the lake, you know? <gasps> oh god. This is the episode that they need to bring Rosamond back, because she will have the best eyebrow raising over her mom's romance from the past like i really hope she turns up oh my god all right so we have to talk a little bit about what is my favorite storyline of the season daisy getting learning daisy learning math i love yeah. it and, and mrs pat were paying for it god i love their relationship so miss bunting tutoring daisy is fabulous so great She's just, she's so brusque, though. Like, when she walks out of the room while Mrs. Patmore is still talking yeah. about <laughs> scheduling. I didn't want to really, say. Really funny to me. Um, yeah, and then also, of course, this storyline, as much as we love it, it's clearly Julian's excuse to keep her around for Tom. And how do we feel about that after this episode? I am really tired of this succession of women telling Tom how he can do more with his life. I think Tom can think for himself. Like, leave him alone. Every single middle class to lower class woman that has a conversation with him tells him the same thing. Yes, I, I agree. He is at this point being treated a little bit like uh, a woman with people very concerned about his future. Is he going to remarry? What's he going to do with his child, etc.? But to me, that's sort of refreshing to see a guy treated like that. I don't know. Uh, also, I just, I'm just liking him more this season than I probably ever have because I've always been a little like, I don't know about this guy. Uh, and I, I don't know. I think I'm very curious to see what decisions he does end up making. And I don't think he's going to be too influenced by other people's opinions because he, he never really has been. Yeah, he's just polite to them. I think. Totally. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, and you know what? We are going to get to uh, revive one of our favorite segments um, based on a little tidbit at the end of the episode. Fuck you, Bates, because <laughs> Mr. Green uh, is not, you know, totally dead, obviously, because people are sniffing around. Oh, and you Lord. know what's going to happen? Anna's going to get pregnant, and then Bates is going to get hauled off to jail, and we're going to supposed to care we're supposed to care we don't care we don't care fuck me we, we don't even see them being sweet to each other anymore he's just yeah. lurking around being a jerk all the time so you know what go to prison i'm done <sighs> with you i don't i don't care about this mr green storyline i want it to go away although the only great thing i can say about that last scene is we got one of the great carson lines which was thank you mr barrow your scaremongering has not succeeded that will be all when he introduces the police officer. Yeah. Yeah. Carson's great smackdown line. Awesome. Well, do you guys have any predictions for this season? You know, we're two episodes in. 
we've kind of made some predictions, but what are some things you're thinking of? I mean, I will say, we mentioned the storyline briefly, we didn't talk about it too much, but I do think that at some point we are going to see more of a romance between Baxter and Mosley. I mean, I was I was more touched than I thought I might be with their scene where, uh, you know, he's so sad about the truth and he's trying so hard to still have faith in her. Um, to me, as annoying as it is to have this long-term secret drawn out and out and out, at least it's depth for this character of Mosley that we've always, you know, comedically been a fan of. But I think the actor's actually doing a really good job with the more poignant stuff. And I really do hope that they keep getting deeper into that instead of just repeating themselves, which of course is always a danger. Well, if you don't want Mosley to be in love, you're a monster. So, (laughs) I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. Mosley should fall in love because he is that little kitten we all love. Yeah. And he deserves love. So if you're not rooting for that, stop listening to this podcast. You're a monster. And look yourself in the mirror. And really ask yourself. Look at yourself. To be in love. I would really love it if Cora had an affair with the tan man. I think she's definitely gonna kiss him. Kissing no fucking. Yeah. I hope I hope she fucks him, but I don't think she will because I think she's gonna be too proper for that and too loyal to her husband even though he's being a big dick yeah but well i hope he comes around because i feel like he's acting like um when it was world war one and there was you know the ping pong table and he was just like so upset about these ping pong balls hitting him with you know this is like i feel like he gets in these little like toddler tantrums and then he's like oh wait i love all these people in my life maybe i should stop being such a dick so i'm hoping for that for sure I'm I'm really hoping that it doesn't work out with Mary and Tony, which I know is scandalous since they're like doing it and all. No, you know what? I'm gonna make an even bolder prediction. I think she's gonna be end up with Blake, Mr. Blake. He was weirdly sexy when he was yes! being defiant in this episode. I didn't yes! like him before, but as soon like this is the thing about Mary. It's way sexier when she's fighting with a guy than when she's in agreement with him. Which is why I liked Tony at first when she wasn't feeling it. And then now, Blake, in that fireplace scene, he was so weird. And yet I was like, this is working for me all of a sudden. Oh, totally. Guys, another prediction. I think we're going to see Gregson this season. Ooh. Well, you been you keep saying that. You keep saying he's going to come yeah. back from the dead. He's going to show up. I think that would be way too nice to Edith to have that guy come back. Unless he comes back with amnesia and he's married to another woman. (laughs) Third woman. (laughs) Lifetime movie again. She can't escape it. All right, so let's do our one fabulous thing before we wrap up. I will go first. Um, My one fabulous thing actually airs tonight, and it's one of my favorite reality shows, and it's called Face Off, which is about um, makeup artists that compete. Um, But the women are always super strong. They're badass women, and everybody's really nice to each other on the show, which I really like. And it's, like, crazy how they make these crazy alien monster shapes, but it's probably one of the most feminist um, reality shows I've seen and just a lot of fun and just different from your average reality fair. So, highly recommend. Cool. Um, So, I'm going to recommend a writer who's actually sort of contemporary to Downton right now, who I've recently discovered. Uh, her name is Catherine Mansfield. Uh, 
Have either oh, of you yeah. ever read her? Okay. Yeah. So I don't know how I'd never heard of her before, but I'm I'm doing a personal project about short stories, and she that this is what she was mostly known for is writing short stories. So I've read a bunch of them. She's a modernist. She wrote in the early 20s. She actually died in 1923 when she was only like 34 of tuberculosis. But her stories are great, and they seem like the kind of thing that the Downton ladies might have been reading around this time. They they sort of shift in time. They always start with the kind of like upper crust scene of a garden party or a vacation or a ball. And then something in the middle happens that's surprising that kind of twists all of the interesting uh, descriptions of pretty things and whatnot. And the, and the girl's thoughts of how, what a great day it's going to be. And all of a sudden something weird will happen and you're just enthralled to see how it's going to end. And I think she's great. She's she's actually from New Zealand, but she lived in England and Paris a lot. And like all the best writers of the late 19th and early 20th centuries, her Wikipedia page is just scandalous with affairs with both men and women. And uh, yes, so, <laughs> yes, she sounds yes. great. She's fantastic. Catherine Mansfield, everyone should read. I mean, just look at her Wikipedia page. It'll tell you what her most famous stories are and you will not be disappointed. Okay, well, um, have, have, did we talk about Black Mirror last week? No. No, okay, so uh, the one fabulous thing is uh, a British anthology series called Black Mirror, and uh, it's on Netflix uh, and a few other places now. It's two seasons, three episodes each, and uh, it's sort of like a sci-fi fantasy. Ugh, I don't even know how to describe it. Some people compare it to Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. where it's sort of very near future sci-fi, and every single episode has to do with how, like, technology, sort of fairly realistic, believable future technology, and how it's totally fucking with us, basically. And they're really, really well written and really well done and disturbing, definitely. I wouldn't binge watch this one. But, <laughs> uh, but but I think they're fantastic. And a little bonus is that you do see some of the Downton Abbey actors in it. Really? Uh, cool. uh, Lord Gillingham is in one of the episodes and Lady Sybil is in another episode. So that's fun. And a bunch of other great actors from the UK that will be familiar. So Black Mirror uh, on Netflix and other places. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Downton Gabby. And you can find us on Facebook at Down Gabby, Tumblr at downgabby.tumblr.com, and guess what? On Twitter at Down Gabby. And we have been live tweeting all the episodes. So join us when it airs and join in the fun on the live tweeting. And we will see you next week.